For those of you who've been um, looking at the theme and reading the book, or books, because obviously there's a book about Jesus, but also the Bible, which is also another book about Jesus. Last week, Andrew um, looked at trailers of a saviour, didn't you? And uh, he chose, appropriately I think, because it's a family service and it's a graphic story, um, the story of, of Jonah and uh, looking at how he was in the belly of a whale for three days, in the belly of a big fish, actually, three days. And there was a parallel, the trailer of the Saviour was a parallel how Jesus was entombed and then, after three days, went from death to life. This week, the um, looking at Jesus, the exploring of, of Jesus, is Psalms about a Saviour. And Whitney Colneholm chose five Psalms that we read over the last week about life, about death. And the one that I've chosen, actually, to focus on today is a little bit gruesome. Not quite as gruesome, actually, as, as Jonah, to be fair. But um, it's, it's focusing on Jesus and the kingdom. In Advent, we look towards the birth of the king of that kingdom, Jesus, and to see what he was not just as a baby, but what he was to become on earth, but then also is now in the heavenlies. And that is a trailer of the Saviour, definitely the Saviour who brings the kingdom in. And I'm going to invite Maggie to read to us that psalm which talks about Jesus. Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion, saying, Rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle. Arrayed in, arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning's womb. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge nations, heaping up the dead and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from a brook along the way, and so he will lift his head high. particularly towards the end of that psalm. But it just brings in that the whole theme of the kingdom of God. And that kingdom of God was ushered in by Jesus. And if you read his manifesto of kingdom values, it, it reads perhaps slightly more palatably. In Luke, it talks about how Jesus said that he was called to be the king of the kingdom. He didn't say that bit, but he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So that is him declaring that he is king of this kingdom and ushering that kingdom in. And then from that point onwards, then his ministry began and, and, and he did those works which he talked about in that passage. He was true to what his manifesto was. And we have the choice.
today, we can think about it, we have the choice as humans, as individuals, whether we want to be part of that kingdom of God, whether we want to be part of that manifesto that Jesus said. I said that I wasn't going to be particularly political and I don't want to make any decisions and and make any comment on what happened um, in Parliament over the last week. But in this particular um, way, I am talking of spiritually political. Actually, the fact that, that God actually gives us the opportunity to be part of his kingdom and to proclaim him as king in our lives. Jesus said that we have a choice whether we want him to be our king, whether we want to be part of that kingdom. And he described it in many, many different ways throughout the Bible. And in one of the ways that he described it, he said was, it's rather like a banquet and we have an invitation. Andrew was already talking about invitations earlier on, saying about how we invite people to stuff and our duty to is invite. If we're part of the kingdom, we want other people to come on. We don't want to hold that kingdom to ourselves, but yet the choice is theirs. And today, as we hear this reading from Felicity, from Matthew, talking about that kingdom invitation, the question is, A, have you accepted the invitation to be part of that banquet? And B, are you inviting others? But let's hear some of the many excuses that people perhaps have to not be part of that kingdom of God. Uh, Matthew... (coughs) Matthew 22, verses 1 to 14, the parable of the wedding banquet. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened cattle have been slaughtered, and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his bank business. The rest seized his servants, ill-treated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding banquet is ready, but those I invite did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, Tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen.
another trailer of a saviour to a degree, isn't it? Talking about that kingdom of God and how we have the choice whether we want to be part of it and also we have the choice as to whether we want to invite others. And although that Luke passage which talked about all the wonderful things that Jesus wanted to do and did do indeed in his lifetime and still does through us now, it's not fluffy. Sometimes it's not nice. Christians in Syria know that being part of the kingdom of God can be a really tough thing. Sometimes they don't live for very long. The kingdom of God is a wonderful part and thing to be part of, but yet it's not always fluffy. And as we look at that, and I'm just going to speak a little bit more after our next song, as we look at that whole idea of the kingdom of God, are you up for it? Because there is a battle going on out there, and we need to be aware of that before we say yes. So let us sing together as we think about that whole idea of being part of God's kingdom. So the psalm that Maggie read to us was all about the kingdom of God. But you may well ask, well, what is the kingdom of God? Now, Jesus often used parables to illustrate what the kingdom of God was. He, he started many of his parables by saying, the kingdom of God is like, like a sower, like a mustard seed, like yeast, like pearl, like a dragnet, and as Felicity read, like a banquet. Jesus realized that a different way of life with different leadership, different lifestyle and priorities would take some explaining. He contrasted the kingdom of heaven with a worldly existence, which is really the, the two options that we have. The kingdom of God is about God's heavenly rule on earth of righteousness, peace, joy and hope. Your will be done. We are, as we pray that prayer, if we pray that sincerely, we are being and we are claiming to be part of the kingdom of God. God is king and God permeates the reality of the kingdom and defines its power, its character and direction. I suppose really being part of the kingdom of God is like kind of living a parallel existence on earth. Living on earth but choosing to be part of God's kingdom at the same time. In the world, but not of the world. And through being born again, through choosing to follow Christ, we become part of it. We are citizens, not just of the earth, but we're citizens of the kingdom of God. And that should shape every aspect of who we are and what we do. And we should consider in our lives, in every aspect, what would Jesus do as we give him ultimate control of our lives. And going back to that subject in Parliament over the last coming week, there will be Christians there wrestling with what would Jesus do. And it's very simplistic for us to say that was wrong, that was right, because it is really difficult sometimes to establish what Jesus would do in certain circumstances. We need to live a life of kingdom living. And that is asking God to direct us, to guide us, even when that can be really tough. If you're not really familiar with the kingdom of God kind of theory, with the kingdom of God concept, it is actually, if you look, if you see 
kind of indications of it. It is a thread running throughout the Bible. Right from the very start in Genesis, God ruled in his kingdom and he gave kind of authority to humanity. But they decided they didn't want to be part of God's kingdom. They wanted to create their own kingdom. And that's really not how it works. So the kingdom imploded upon itself, and hence we have the fall. That's the very start of it all. And from that time on, God worked relentlessly to re-establish his kingdom of righteousness, hope, hope, hopelessness, no, righteousness, hope, and peace. And we see how, how God called Abraham. And, and as he called Abraham in that attempt to reestablish his kingdom, he spoke of kingdom. He said in Exodus 19 verse 20, You shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. He's trying to get his people back on track to bring his kingdom back into and onto the earth. The Old Testament is an account of the struggle of Israel to live as the kingdom of God and looks forward to the complete implementation of the vision of the kingdom in the end. Judges, prophets, kings of Israel were all called to be mediators of God's kingdom presence on earth. In the New Testament, Jesus came as the fulfillment, the messianic prophetic hope ushering in the kingdom. Luke 2 verse 11 that we may well hear over the next couple of weeks. For unto us is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. That was to be, he was the Messiah bringing in the kingdom, establishing the kingdom of God on earth. That parallel, reborn Christian way of living. Jesus taught us that the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's here. And he meant that in two senses. He meant me, not me personally, him. He meant that as king of the kingdom living on earth, the kingdom of God was in the midst of them. Where the king is, there is the kingdom. But he also meant the kingdom of God is within you and within me. Wherever the Holy Spirit is living and active in the world and in his people, there is kingdom. So as you receive the Holy Spirit, you become God's kingdom people in a real sense. You are kind of, you are those treasures, you are those pots within where the treasure lies. So the kingdom of God is here on earth, through you, through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, active and alive. But Is the kingdom of God fully here? You only have to glimpse at the news to see it isn't. There is a now and not yet of the kingdom of God because we live, and I've said this many times, in the in-between times. Jesus died, Jesus rose again, Jesus established his kingdom, but he is at the right hand of the Father. He's given his Holy Spirit But yet, he has not returned. And we have threads of this throughout scripture where we hear that Jesus will come back and his kingdom will be established completely. This will happen. Jesus will return. We will have, and we're very topically talking about it during Advent, we will have the second Advent, the second coming of Christ. When, as the message version of the Bible says in Revelation 21... God 
has moved into the neighbourhood. That will be what happens. Making his home with men and women. They are his people. He's their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death is gone for good. Tears are gone. Crying gone. Pain gone. All the first order things are gone. Look, I am making all things new. There will be that time when Jesus will return. Meanwhile, we live in the then, but not yet. We live in those in-between times when we have a choice. We have a choice. At the end times, there will be no choice. You're either with him or you're against him, and, and goodness knows what's happening. There's all sorts of graphic descriptions of what will happen at the end of time. But now we have a choice as to whether we want to be one of those citizens of the kingdom of God. And how do we do that? Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you're born again of water and of spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's a stark choice. You're not part of the kingdom of God just because you come to church. You're not part of the kingdom of God because your parents are Christians. You're not part of the kingdom of God just because, you know, of many different things. You become part of the kingdom of God because you choose personally to live in a relationship with Christ because you actually choose for him to be king in your life. And that will be what makes you part of the kingdom of God that makes you part of being a citizen of heaven. It's not a second-hand membership. You have to sign on that line yourself. If you haven't done that already, I would urge you to choose to be a citizen of heaven. It may be tough, but to be honest, it's the only way to life, hope, and peace. And if you have made that choice, if you are sitting here because you've, you're a fully paid up member, not the have to pay, but you're a fully member of the citizen of heaven, that you actually are a member of that kingdom, I pray that you and I will daily live as if we are part of it. That we will let God be king of our lives. And that we will, in all that we do, whether our decisions are as difficult as the ones that people had over the last week, or whether our decisions are whether to invite one person or another person. May we live and consider what would Jesus do so that we can truly live our lives as part of the kingdom of God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you that you offer us a choice. You don't push us into anything. You offer us a choice as to whether we want to follow you. Jesus called to the disciples and said, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And he says that to us too today. And I pray, Lord, that if there's anybody who hasn't made that choice, that they will today know your touch, know the reality of what it is to be citizen of the kingdom of heaven what it is to choose to follow Jesus and I pray that they will pray Lord I'm willing I will follow you but Lord for those of us who have 
stood up and said, yes, we want to follow you. Those of us who have been baptized, those of us who receive the Holy Spirit, we pray, Lord, that we will always be worthy citizens of the kingdom of heaven, that we will stand up for you, that we will join in the battle, which is the battle that Christ wages against sin and against death, and that we will be those beacons of light in the darkness, that we will always consider what would Jesus do what is his way and walk in it. Lord, help us today to consider under whose banner we march. Let us know your strength and your equipping for the days ahead. In Jesus' name we pray. As we look towards communion, let us reflect on what God may have been saying to you as we sing together.